Hey folks, and welcome to Drinking with Friends, where we're all huddled around a table and looking at each other while doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Chris. What up, it's Dud. And I'm Obert. And uh, this week we have uh, kind of a special episode for you. Um, you know, it's Tudge Bachelor Party Weekend. Woo-woo. It's, what, Friday morning? We Friday des- morning. We decided? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it and feels like a Saturday. It feels like a Saturday, which only makes me a little worried for what Saturday's going to feel like. Yeah. So <laughs> Death. <laughs> Death followed by drinking. Um, but we wanted to share with you a special interview that Tud did. And Tud, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so I drove up to New Hartford, Connecticut, and sat down with Chris Sayer, owner, operator, and head brewer of Brewery Legitimus. Five-star name. Yes, awesome name. And he was nice enough to sit down with me for about an hour and discuss his beer. Cool. It was a great interview. I got a free flight out of it, and we had a great great time. (laughs) It would have been an even better flight, flight, Chris, if maybe he got a few more th- other beers. For him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we can be bought, folks. <laughs> yeah, we can be bought. It was—he was very nice enough to take uh, take time on a Monday when they're closed to show up at the brewery. Oh, nice! Uh, after work and just sit down with me for a little bit and talk beer. Cool. Hey, that's always a lot of fun. Always a lot of fun. He, so he also let me uh, see the new the new part of the brewery that we we discussed in the interview, but. To provide some color beforehand, they are expanding their brewery to the area behind, and so I was, uh, you know, he treated me well enough to show me back there, and it's going to be an amazing spot back there. Cool, nice, yeah. I'm definitely. You've talked about them a handful of times, and I'm I'm pretty excited for your wedding because if we can, we'll make a trip out of it. But if we can, it's yeah. going to be a very busy busy week. Yes, or weekend. So. Um, so kick back, relax. We're all going to sit around this table and listen to yeah. this, this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see you on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> hey, folks, and welcome to Drinking Alone with Friends. This is Tud, and I'm here with Chris Sayer, owner and founder of Brewery Legitimus in New Hartford, Connecticut. Hey, Chris. Hey, how you doing? Good. How's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me here at your brewery today. Oh, absolutely. We love having people to come in and uh, always love talking about beer. Yeah, of course. <laughs> who doesn't like to talk about beer? Exactly. And who doesn't love to drink it, too? Thank you. <laughs> um, so the way we start this, let's start off with highlighting what you're drinking. So right now, um, I'm drinking a coffee surfer. Um, we have our brown ale counter surfer. Uh, it was the first beer that we made in the brewery uh, three years ago. It's an American brown ale. Uh, we call it um, an unapologetic brown. It's got a nice dark, rich, malty color to it. It's six percent. It's full of coffee, chocolate notes to it. And then we decided, hey. Why not add some coffee to it? So we add some uh, cold brew coffee from Give Coffee down the street. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, you'll see it's in your flight there, the last one. Um, it's got a beautiful you know, coffee nose to it. It's got a beautiful coffee flavor to it. Not over the top, but fits nicely with that beer at 6%. And uh, it's one of my favorite go-tos uh, when barbecuing like ribs or uh, steaks, things like that in the summer. It holds up really nicely with red meat. Nice. Yeah. That's, I can't wait to try it. <laughs> um, and then for pe- the people out there, I am drinking... Right now, you're drinking the Tower for the uh, Tower for the People, uh, which is uh, a beer that we did with the uh, friends like Hubline Tower in uh, Simsbury. Okay. Up in our neck of the woods, when you drive around, you always see that tower on the hill. Yeah. Um, I think just about everyone in the state's seen that tower on the hill <laughs> at some point. That's Hubline Tower. It's part of a state park now. Um, it needs maintenance. It needs uh, renovation. So friends of Hubline Tower helped to uh, do that. And we are working with them to help raise money for the Hubline Tower. So a dollar from every pint um, goes to help um, the restoration and the maintenance of the tower. And you'll also see that beer out on taps in the uh, Simsbury, Farmington Valley area, uh, especially places that, where you can see it from the restaurant. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, the restaurants will be donating a dollar a pint uh, towards the organization as well. So it's a nice way of uh, you know trying to help out the local group that uh, is doing something good that we all get to enjoy every day. That's fantastic. I love when, when breweries give back to the community like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. It's, it's an important part for um, any business, you know, to, to contribute back and to, to be a part of your community. Um, so let's start out with what's your story? How did you get into to brewing? It's a long story, as always. Um, but, you know, in summary, uh, I started, uh, I, I went over to Belgium in 1998 to study uh, comparative European politics, you know, the European Union and all of that. And uh, I didn't even drink beer. So I get overseas, and uh, I discovered beer. I was like, wow, what is this? Um, Did fine studying politics, but really got into studying beer. Uh, After I finished college, I came back with definitely the beer beer snob nose. Um, And I 
my, after my senior year of college, decided to do Peace Corps for two years, which gave me an opportunity to really um, bring a bunch of books, get a bunch of books, and uh, really drill down and learn about you know fundamentals of brewing science, learn all about beer, learn whatever I could learn. This is you know 2000, 2002, and uh, I was living in West Africa doing that with Peace Corps, and uh, came back and got my break in the uh, beer industry, working for Harpoon, doing sales and marketing. And then I went over to Duval and Gang, doing more sales and marketing and sales management, and uh, just learning all the time, brewing, learning more, brewing more. And um, when I went to, uh, during the recession, I left uh, beer altogether. Uh, my job wasn't gonna come to Connecticut with me, so I decided to go and work for Coca-Cola for five and a half years. And uh, with any job, you can always learn something. Even if you have a job you hate, you can learn something. So, you know, uh, spent time learning there. They paid for an MBA, and I said to them, I go, are you going to use it? And they're like, no, <laughs> no, we're gonna, we'll pay for it, but we have no use for it, really. Uh, we don't want to use it. Um, so I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use, you know, this degree and open a brewery, and they all laughed, and I graduated, and I quit Coke, and I came to work for myself, and <laughs> here I am drinking a beer with you three years later. Uh, so it's, it's been a journey. Wow. Been a journey, yeah. That's that's one heck of a story. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. So I had heard earlier that you worked for Coke. I didn't realize you had worked for our breweries before then too. Yes, that's, yes, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I think um, you know, having that experience with the sales and marketing and uh, distribution side of things is, is key for this industry for any brewery looking to branch out besides a tap room. Uh, we spent the first three years really, you know, going deep in our community. Uh, being very, very localized, um, but we just recently purchased a canning line that we're going to get up and running soon, and uh, we're in the midst of an expansion as well, so uh, we're going to be looking to break out into a wider market. Are you expanding within this building itself? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, so right now, the room that we're in right now, when you come visit us at the brewery, the current room, it's about 3,300 feet. Uh, there's another 4,700 feet behind us that we're moving into, and it'll be a larger uh, version of the tap room, like a second room. Nice. Yeah, complete with a bar, lounge area. Um, there'll be a lot of barrel aging uh, space back there. Uh, it stores the canning line, the walk-in coolers, all the unglamorous things that we need as well to store beer. And uh, it'll be a great um, venue for people to come and enjoy. Nice, that's fantastic. Yeah. So you mentioned not liking beer before you went to Belgium. Not, it wasn't that I didn't like it. it was that I didn't like. I just didn't drink beer. What'd um, you drink? Oh, I'm ashamed to say I was. I was probably learning how to drink. You know, the usual stuff you drink in college, like you know, like mix, mixed drinks or whatever the cheapest you know, alcohol you can get. You know, for a party <laughs> on a Friday night, just garbage. Um, but yeah, I went over to Belgium, and you know, people said, "Oh, you know, Belgian beer is really good. You should try it over there." And you know, it's funny. I'll never forget. For me, it was um, sitting in a certain bar. I can remember the bar's called the Botanique. And um, it was near the Botanique uh, station in Brussels. And uh, I sat on the corner of the bar there, and I was like, I'll order a beer. And I ordered a Hogarden. And this is before AB and all that, um, you know, 1998. I ordered a Hogarden Special, and I, I had the beer. And it was like, uh, I don't know, you ever have that experience where, like, you remember, like, a dish that your grandma made or that your mom made? And you really oh, yeah, know That was, sure. like, that food memory. It was, it was my wake-up moment. I was like, wow, what is this? This is completely different from beers I'd tried in the past or beers I'd seen in the past. And I was just mesmerized. And I uh, really caught the bug right there. You know, this is one kind of beer. What does this beer taste like? And what does that beer taste like? And what makes this one different from that one? So um, Belgium, you know, in then and now, it's a, it's a playground for beers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I started working for Harpoon, you know, I could almost confidently say that I'd had beers from every brewery east of the Mississippi. <laughs> and if I said that now, I'd sound like an idiot. Um, but, you know, I couldn't even say that about Connecticut. Like, this industry has flourished so much uh, that there are constantly new beers coming out um, from brews I've never heard of. And, and even ones that I know well, there's always a new beer that I haven't tried. So it's, it's a great time, you know, to be a beer drinker and to get to enjoy the diversity um, that is out there just within our own state, much yeah. less the East Coast or this country, or Belgium, or whatever. And um, you see a lot of American influence across seas. We went to uh, France and Belgium last fall, and I was amazed to see how the you know, Citra and Mosaic and those, those juicy hops have really you know, pervaded the Belgian beer culture with younger drinkers, and they're starting to have much more hoppy offerings. Really? Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty surprising. Uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, we had the Belgian influence over here in the early 2000s, and when Belgian beers were hot, and um, now we're seeing like the IPAs and the hoppy beers 
going back across you know the ocean and uh, influencing their younger brewers so it's it's a pretty interesting time to see that switch happen because for years it was always us following the lead of Europe and you know yeah we've had our own craft movement since the 1980s and we had the first crash in the 90s and then this whole rebirth of the industry has really you know pressed past just the borders of our own country and has really gone out into other places and seeing American influence like that in Europe is was definitely an eye-opener for me uh, having been there 20 years earlier and then going back and seeing the changes in 20 years it's, it's pretty impressive yeah yeah where do you see the beer industry in Connecticut and in the United States going from here? Obviously, in Connecticut, I think we're over 100 breweries now in just this little state. So how's that, yeah, that going to work? It's crazy because uh, <laughs> three years ago, we were licensed number 34. Okay. And yeah, just in three years, and now it's over 100. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a hard one to answer. Um, trends come and go, you know, the... The hazy, juicy IPAs, uh, you know, Dr. Strange Haze is our number one seller. It's, you know, probably 60% of our sales every day. Um, how long will that trend last? I don't know. You know, we don't know. Um, but, you know, people's tastes and preferences are always evolving and changing. Um, I think the industry still has room to grow in the state for sure. Okay. Uh, the biggest thing I hope that we all do is to continue to strive to make better beer. Um, you know, the responsibility of us as, as brewers and brewery owners is to... Uh, make sure that we're putting out the highest quality beer that we possibly can. Um, because if we, if we don't do that, um, you know, it's just not healthy for our industry. So quality is like the utmost important thing. Yeah, and I, I've noticed a big uptick in that too around the industry in Connecticut too. I mean, there was a time where you'd go to some local breweries and you, know, you wondered if you, what you were gonna get. Yeah. But now it's just everything, every brewery I go to, it seems like they're all rock solid and ready to go and rocking and rolling. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot, a lot more pressure. And also, there's a much more educated beer-drinking population in Connecticut and in the United States now than there was, you know, five years ago, six years ago. As more people get in, they're not only drinking um, more beer, they're drinking better beer. And they're starting to learn, you know, what makes beer good. Uh, what makes good beer good, I should say. Uh, so that's an important um, part of it, is the education of the, of the consumers and the beer drinkers. Awesome. So switching gears here for a little bit, what... You said, obviously, Belgium's a big influence on you. What else, what other beers have influenced you? Obviously, you worked for uh, Harpoon and Omega, mm -hmm. but there, were there other beers by those breweries or by other breweries that you were just like, yeah, this, this brewery is what I, this is what I want to strive to taste like or der derive something from this? I love, um, you know, for me, there are breweries out there that have just taken such a bold direction. Um, one of the ones that, that we can all visit here in Connecticut that's pretty close by is... Uh, uh, Plan B Farm Brewery and okay. it's over near Poughkeepsie, New York and uh, the beers that Evans made there have just been incredible. It's, I don't think I've ever been there. Yeah, you need to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those breweries where it's like, just take my wallet, you know. But it, um, he sources everything, 100% of his ingredients, everything is sourced from New York. So, really? Yeah, I mean, water's the easy one. Uh, his yeast is from beehives on his property. Um, his hops are New York. His malt is New York. And his uh, beers are, a lot of them are, I think they're all sours and wild beers. They're, they're beautiful. Um, and just, it was a bold direction to go into. And he's done an exquisite job with it. Um, but, you know, all over, there's just, there's just great beers. Um, I can't, it's hard to, you know, pick out, like, singular ones. Um, but just... Uh, you know, what I want to stress is important too is just um, enjoy what you're drinking take a moment to enjoy it um, I personally am not one that wants to stand in line for days or hours to get beers um, some people do though and that's cool um, to see that in, with some of these breweries that you know there's almost a line culture where people like going to the line it's kind of like the um, the tailgate at the fish show you know? yeah it's, it's part yeah. of the experience almost. you go to see fish and the tailgate's almost better than the concert some nights <laughs> you know so um and that's that's cool that community's developed as well so uh but there's good beer all around um the key is is to constantly challenge yourself to try new things and um challenge yourself to be more perceptive and a little more discriminating with what beers you do choose and you know, if you like something, why do you like it? If you don't like something, why? Yeah. Um, not just to simply say, I, ha I hate sours, and, I, and, and you give them a D-minus rating. I'm like, maybe you don't like sours, but you can understand still what makes a, a good sour a good sour versus a bad one a bad one. Um, or if you do not like IPAs, like to be able to sit there and say why instead of just saying, well, I just don't like them. You know, 
being able to know what one is well made versus which one's not well made is a, is a really important part of you being a, a beer drinker that is trying to get a better understanding of of how all this comes together. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't say that better. Yeah. Um, you know, one common theme that we have on our podcast is that you know we try to definitely branch outside of the box of what we're drinking, mm-hmm. trying different things. Um, but we also talk about the wine culture as well, mm-hmm. and. I personally don't believe that it's, it's, there's too much good beer now to go sit in a line for, you know, an hour or two hours or three hours when you could come to Brewery Legitimus and get a beer as soon as you walk through the door. I mean, it's, it's funny. I, and we see more of it with breweries. Um, you know, we designed the tap room so that there's always a good eight to 12 feet of open bar space at the end because I don't know. We're American. We don't really like to queue like we do in like <laughs> the United Kingdom or in other countries. So it's always fun to, um, you want to get your beer and you want to get back to hanging with your friends because um, that, that social aspect of beer is, is really what's so important at the end of the day. Um, I, I remember sitting around a couple years ago at an upstart brewery and uh, the company was absolutely incredible and the beer was absolutely awful. And we still had a great time because the company was so good. Like I saw people I hadn't seen in 10, 15 years. And it didn't even matter like what the beer was doing that day for them. It was just that we were all just hanging out together. Right. Um, so, you know, the beer's always had a very social aspect to it. And uh, with the tap room here, we have large tables. We you know, want you to get your beer quickly and get back to your friends, get back to your people that you're with, because that's really what it's about. Yeah, and I mean, college kids must know the secret to this because <laughs> they sit around and drink awful beer, but it's always the company that they're keeping. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so... What is, what's your favorite beer to brew? What style would you say that's, that's it? It's like choosing a favorite child. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, for me, um, so some of the more challenging beers that we make are the, are the lagers because there's nowhere to hide. And so, it, you know, technically it's, it's a much harder beer to make because if you make a mistake, there's not a way to correct it as easily or to hide it or, you know, I've been to places where there's been faults with beers and they've just dry hopped it to oblivion to hide the fault. Um, Lagers are kind of in the nude, you know, there's really nowhere to hide. Uh, One of my favorite beers to make here, uh, our Belgian wit that you're going to be drinking next there, it looks like, uh, is one of my favorites. Um, Just, you know, the spice balance is such a challenge that that's a lot of the fun with it. Um, And also uh, just how that yeast works is very unique. Um, I also really enjoy brewing our Satan's Kingdom, and uh, I enjoy brewing Strange Haze um, because with the Strange Haze, it's you know it's got all the hops and all the bells and whistles and things that you see with the IPAs, but it's making it um, consistently. That's the fun part, and to you know have you hit that every single time is what we strive to do. So now, are there any unique features that you're throwing into the Strange Haze to give it that that flavor? Or no, I think the thing that with all the um, the IPAs, especially the New England style IPAs, it's how you treat your water that really makes it special. And uh, you know, we use you know for our grain bill, it's it's uh, it's two row um, carapils, dextrin malt, and um, oats, and that's it. Uh, we use Citra Mosaic. We use London Three yeast, like a lot of people do. Um, but what we hold to ourselves, and I think other breweries do this too, is is how we treat the water because that's what really makes our IPA ours versus you and yours. Um, and it's the softness that you get with those beers. There's a certain way that they feel, and it's the way that you treat your water that really brings that around. So when you when you mean treat, are you talking like low pH or high pH, or no? Is it something it, more, more or less, indefinite? it's like it's the different mashing enzymes um, that you're looking to release with the different salts and additions. So a lot of breweries use uh, gypsum or calcium chloride. Um, they're mineral salts that you add to the water okay. to to change the buffering capacity of, of certain reactions that are happening in the mash and um, certain these certain salt these salts you know and you can look them up uh, water chemistry is such a fun part of brewing <laughs> uh, you know we, we use everything from epsom salt and table salt to calcium chloride to gypsum to um, you know there's a couple others chalk is another one uh, there's all these things that can add different nuances to the ingredients that you're making the beer with. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. That's... It's a, water chemistry is, is a huge <laughs> part of it. I know everybody loves to be the artist, but it's the, uh, it's the scientist at the end of the day that, that can really win it and bring it home. Um, the artist is fun, but the scientist is the work. So 
you know, with any brewery, there's a lot going on with biology, chemistry, and physics um, that you need to know in the background to make your beer good and consistent. Nice. So what's your favorite type of beer to drink then? My favorite ones to drink. Lately, it's been, it's been lagers. It's been, it's like they said, our Belgian wit I haven't been able to keep out of. Um, you know, the warmer weather, um, definitely like, you know, Kolsch's, uh, Pilsner's. I tend to be personally more of a session drinker. Um, I like to have a couple and sit down and spend, you know, a couple hours talking. Um, in the winter, you know, I tend to gravitate a little more towards the stouts, although Tom M. always says that it's always stout season. He's right, it is. He, uh, he's, we, he's always <laughs> claiming that online. I see him all over the place. Absolutely. We always, we always have a stout on Tom. Um, yeah, you know, we do uh, our Where's Winter, uh, which is our Irish stout, um, you know, 4% stout. Um, you'll see me drinking that in the evenings here. Uh, you know, if I'm not working, I, I love to have a beer and just walk around and talk with customers and uh, just, you know, learn a little more about them. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think, and the, I, we've kind of touched on this, but I, I, now that now you mentioned Tom M's name too, what do you think about the, the Connecticut beer culture? I think, you know, with any culture, it's constantly developing. Um, I think, you know, 99% of the people are there to learn and I, th I think really it's, 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 to put it simply, it's a constantly developing thing. Um, you know, we take a stance here at the brewery. You know, I, I love reading blogs. I love reading those things. I don't actively participate in them um, or throw an opinion out or, or a judgment because that's not what this is about. Um, but it's, it's a nice opportunity to learn. It's a great opportunity for beer drinkers to see what other people are trying and to get out there and try things too um, or to know what to look for. Because, uh, like I said, there are so many breweries. And here we are up in the northwest corner, and there's not a lot of breweries up here yet. So you see a lot they're, of it. They're coming. There, there's a couple coming. <laughs> yeah, we got Little Red Barn up the street. We got, you know, they're going to open next month. We got Norbrook. We've got, you know, we, we, we jokingly call it the 4 on 44 is what's been lately. <laughs> but it's, um, it's growing, you know, and uh, more people, you know, will come out this way with more breweries. I think it's, it's fun to get in the car and know that you're going to go to two or three breweries yeah. and see them in an afternoon. And that's another part of that culture that's developed. You know, 10 years ago, that didn't exist. Um, you know, the tasting room environment was non-existent in Connecticut. So seeing that develop is, um, is a really nice thing. And, you know, for a lot of the breweries, the tap room is really the lifeline um, for educating consumers, but also to um, just as, as, a, as a, a generator of income for the brewery to function. A lot of people don't realize just how much it costs on a daily basis to run the brewery, much less, uh, you know, all the equipment that we go into getting and that we're always looking to get. Um, it's uh, very capital intensive. So we love having a tap room where people can come see us and they can actually come in here and see the improvements that we put in constantly. This room that we're in has evolved a lot in three years. Um, if you look online in our early photos, you'll laugh because it used to be all white with like those lights up there. Like okay. schoolhouse lights. Wow. Yeah, it was it was bright. <laughs> but hey, you start with what you can start with, and we put our money into the equipment. Um, we, you know, we built the tables, we built the bar, we, you know, a lot of that um, bootstrapping, doing it yourself, is part of it. And for those listening, I mean, this this tap room is awesome. Now it's massive. It's going to be even bigger, according to to what we just heard. It's painted green. It's got fantastic lighting. Those Edison bulbs. Is that what I'm going to make? I'm going to make fun of you and see where do you see green. Are those walls not green? Those are black. Those are black? <laughs> they look green to me. Okay, so... The, might so be time to, it might be time to get your eyes checked, man. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you'll come here uh, very quickly. You'll realize that our favorite color is black. Um, I don't know why or how it developed that way, but we do enjoy um, darker colors. I think I, think I have this... Um, I think I know. Um, I love to drink in caves. Okay. Yeah, like, bear with me for a second. Like when I was living overseas, my favorite bars that you're scurrying around to in, in like January, February, March when it's miserable outside were all these tiny little places in basements essentially in, in, in and around Brussels that have been bars for 200 years. Those are the and, best bars. Yeah, they're, and they're like the size of like your bedroom at home. And like, the, you know, you got the weird ceilings and like there's no light in there and it always looks like it's 1.30 in the morning even, even if it's 2 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon and it's sunny out. It's always dark, and I, I just like that dark environment to have a beer in, and uh, sure enough, that's what we've done here. Um, <laughs> it's nice, it's dark, it's relaxing. 
Uh, but if you want sun, we have a huge patio outside, and there is tons of sun on that. So. And I'm sure people can come here, buy the beer, go outside, and sit on the patio. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um. Cool. So, tell me a little bit about what you're brewing for the upcoming weeks. So this week, uh, tomorrow, we're going to be uh, brewing uh, the beginning of a double batch of Illegitimus. That's our double IPA. Okay. And uh, that is uh, all Citra, all through, 8.5%. Uh, my poor assistant, Henry, is back there milling it as we drink a beer. He's milling back there, you know, a half ton of grain. We drink so Henry can work. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, Henry needs to work, and we're helping him. Exactly. We make work for him. We need to make room in the kegs <laughs> and on the tap line for him for the Absolutely. beer to go Absolutely. So we're doing that over two days, and then um, we're getting some yeast in tomorrow to brew uh, Satan's Kingdom, and that is our Belgian Golden Strong. Um, that's one of my favorite beers, 8.5%. Um, I love those beers because the alcohol is so sublimely hidden <laughs> that uh, you don't realize what you're getting yourself into. And uh, sun is in my eyes, and I'm moving. Um, so you know the devil's in the in the details with that one. Um, people are like, "Oh my gosh, it's so complex. What's in this?" And it's one of those beers that's very yeast forward. So uh, we use Pilsner malt and sugar, and that's it for the grain bill. Really? Yes. And uh, the yeast is really the star of that beer. We you know we add our hops, just some saws or some East Kent Golding. Again, um, not of huge consequence, but um, the yeast strain that we use is really the star of the show and the fermentation schedule that we give it to develop the flavors that it gives you. But it's a beautiful, light, golden-colored ale. And I love it when people come in thinking that dark beers are strong and light beers are, are, are easy because this is a light beer that will knock you on your butt. <laughs> and really quickly. So, so when you mentioned fermentation schedules, what are you doing to that, to, to give it the... The flavor because obviously if you just had water and yeast and a little well, bit of know, sugar with, with your fermentations that it controls the level of activity that the yeast are, are going through and the warmer it is the more excited they get and and when they get excited and work faster um, they release a lot more uh, esters and those are those fruity notes banana notes uh, and you get some of those um, or you know clove or phenol uh, phenolic notes uh, those things all come off of uh, a lot of times fermentation temperature so with a lot of the Belgian beers, uh, Saison's a great example, how flavorful Saison is. Um, oftentimes, you know, breweries will ramp those up into the upper 70s, 80s. I've heard of them even going into the 90s. Um, really? Yeah, so you get super fast fermentation. It's very dry um, and just full of flavor from the yeast because uh, they're so able to freely express themselves. You can suppress that ester production and those flavors by lowering temperature. Um, so if you ferment at the bottom end of a range of the yeast, you can get a cleaner flavor. And that's what we chase in things like our Kolsch or lagers. Uh, we ferment our lagers at you know 51 to 53 degrees all the way through. Um, and it takes longer, but you get a cleaner beer in the end. So with a Saison, does that mean you can turn it over faster and brew more um, You know, there's, more a, there, there's a conditioning phase with any beer. Um, most of our ales are three weeks grain to glass okay. um, from the day we brew it to the day you drink it. And it's not uncommon for us to sit there and just say, we're holding this beer for another couple of days because I want a little more out of it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, generally, you know, a lot of breweries can do them in two. Uh, we choose to take that extra week of conditioning and build it into our production schedule to help us um, help the beer um, do, do its thing. So. Wow. I mean, it's really, you know, you're, I love this reaction. Somebody said to me, you know, describe simply what your job is and they said I, I make sugar water for yeast to have sex in <laughs> and I was like that sums it up you know we provide the best environment for those yeasts to have a party and um, let them go you know um, control them when we need to control them keep them in the house when we need to keep them in but um, let them you know let them do their job take the time and let them do their job and I, I said to people who homebrew all the time like how can I make my beer better just wait just wait. Just give it time. Let that beer, you know, you don't have to rack that beer off on day six because it says in the book to rack it off on day six. Believe me, like when I was raising, you know, the kids and they're all babies and I'm like home brewing before we started the brewery and I had a nice pilot system and I brewed two or three beers over the course of a day. And if that beer didn't get racked for a week because my life was crazy, then you know what? It was fine. And the, the beer was great. Um, so, you know, just 
it's kind of like that old Charlie Papazian thing, you know, like relax, don't worry, have a homebrew. Mine is just, just chill out and wait. You're yeah, good. Just, just wait. Just go drink a beer. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be good. Or take care of the, the, the kids. Yes. Just, just, just wait. Yeah. You know, there's so many things that are important in life, and beer is obviously one of them for us. But, you know, taking the time to just relax and um, enjoy what you're brewing, enjoy what you're making, enjoy what you're drinking, enjoy what you're eating. Those are all really important things. Um, one of our, you know, missions and mantras here that I really took away from my experiences in, in Belgium and working for Duval is that, you know, that cuisine à la bière thing, which is that the, not just simply here's a beer to go with your food, and I'm not really concerned about your food experience. We were looking to really marry the food with the beer. Either the beer is in the food, or we've tried to pair it as perfectly as possible to that dish. And uh, taking the time for both of them to complement each other without one dish completely dominating the other. Um, I've been to so many places where the beer just dominates the dish, or the dish just crushes the beer. And we really enjoy spending the time to pair those beers. Um, and if um, Check us out in the upcoming weeks. We have some exciting um, food things coming to the brewery, uh, one of which will be uh, with uh, Avon Prime Meats um, down here in Avon. We're going to be doing uh, a whole, basically, a, a tasting menu of their different um, beefs and chickens and marinades and all that, pairing them up with our beers and incorporating our beer into the food. Really? Um, yeah, so that will be a ticketed event. It's going to be on a Monday night, I believe. Um, and it's, you know, things like that is, is what, you know, I like to do to make us a little bit different. Um, now, are you going to be cooking as well? I will not be cooking this time. Okay. But um, I'll definitely be drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, my wife and I both, uh, you know, not, we don't have a, a, any formal culinary background, but we're both avid home cooks and always learning. And uh, what I love about this industry is it gives us uh, both access to a ton of chefs in the area. Um, you know, some are patrons, other ones are just, you know, through uh, accounts that we've uh, nurtured. Uh, there's a lot of great people to work with in your area, and there's a lot of great people to learn from. And uh, I've learned great things from really good chefs, and I've learned fantastic things from really, really, really good home cooks. So there's, there's a lot to learn out there, and uh, we are the type that are always seeking to learn more. Nice. So will that be... so? Will Avon Prime Meats bring out like a food truck, or are they going to be? They're going to bring out stations. And, are they going to bring out stations? Yeah, and they're going to do it all right here. Okay. Yeah. And if yeah. they want, if, if the listeners wanted to buy some tickets, where would they go? Uh, check out our um, our Facebook page, uh, social media. Probably Facebook's the best. Check out the events page. Uh, when you see it posted there, you'll see probably an event uh, link okay. for tickets, or it might be a phone number to one of the businesses to call and. Uh, and to, to get um, your tickets for it. Nice. Yeah. I'll definitely have to check that out myself, Yeah, it's going to be a fun event. We, we're, <laughs> I mean, come on. We're, I mean, we're talking about grilling meat and drinking beer. I, I just, unless you're a vegetarian, I don't know how it's going to get much better. Listen, you don't get to look like me <laughs> and not like food and or beer. And when you pair them together, I'm all in. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun thing. Um, and like I said, it, it's important. You know, I, I think we all like to locally source, you know, our food. That's become so much more of a thing. Um, we have a really um, good farm share each year that we do with Barden Farm here in town. Um, it's called the CSABC. It's a Community Supported Agriculture Beer and Cheese. And okay. we make up special beers for that. And uh, the members get to pick up their farm share. They get to pick up their growler of beer of their choice or the special beer that we make that week. And then there's cheese and bread and you know, a whole like, kind of miniature farmer's market that the farm sets up. Uh, so even if you're not a member of the farm share, you can still come on that night and try everything and enjoy it. So oh, that's amazing. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a really big hit last year, and uh, we've, you know we've already signed up a lot of people this year for it. So so we uh, we currently live right next door to Labyrinth. Okay. So we signed up for their CSA and yeah. beer share. Yeah, I know so, those guys well. Yeah, I I think I've mentioned it to you before. Your breweries kind of look very similar to each other with the designs <laughs> and stuff. And you were telling me that it's because they spent a lot of time here when they were starting up. Yeah, yeah, I love those guys. Um, you know, part of this, and we do, we do the same thing. Um, there's so much, it, there's so much to learn out there from how other businesses um, do their thing. And um, I, I've learned three things today at uh, two breweries that I stopped at earlier today. And uh, there's always stuff to learn, and with anything, whether it's cooking or, or your job, or whatever your job is, there's always something you can learn to be better. And um, yeah, like I said, Labyrinth uh, Taproom is, is gorgeous. Those guys did a fantastic job. 
and uh, love going to sit in there. And it's also very cave-like, which I like. It's, yeah. it's dark inside. It's, and it's, it's the kind of place where I like to go drink. I know? was going to say, it, it seems very much like your style with the, the cave, it's yeah. brick, it's, you know, yeah, yeah. a little cold. Yeah, that's that's what I like. Um, yeah, they did a great job with their tap room. It's a good spot. So where did, what other breweries did you stop at today? As as a brewer, people want to know. Oh, I mean, one time, I mean, there's there's so many I love stopping by at. Um, you know, Firefly, I love going there. Um, I, uh, I stopped at one that's going to be opening soon, uh, Better Half Brewing, also in Bristol. Uh, where else have I been lately? I've been to a couple breweries uh, over in New York. Um, just trying to think of other favorite ones in the area. You know, it's funny, it's, as, as much as that, I haven't even seen some of the ones that are closest to us yet because sometimes I feel like a dairy farmer. Like, you don't really get to get far away from the cows if you're milking, you have to get back to milk. I knew farmers when I was a kid that had never been more than 50 miles away from their homes their entire lives. Just because they, they had to be there. The cows don't take a day off, 4 a.m., 4 p.m., every single day. And uh, they wouldn't even change their clocks because the cows don't change, so I don't change. Huh. And, um, yeah, sometimes I feel like that because it's hard to get away. Um, you know, I do all the brewing, um, and, you know, we're husband-wife-owned uh, brewery, so we all wear a lot of hats, and um, it's a labor of love, but, you know, it's, it's 80 hours a week at least. Huh. And um, I don't get to travel as much as I'd like. <laughs> so. so you mentioned that you guys have been open for three years now. Yes. Um, It'll be three years in September. Officially. Okay. Are you guys going to be doing a big party for your oh, yeah. third anniversary? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, we, uh, we opened on September 21st, 2016. And I remember this date because my birthday is on the 22nd. And I wanted to open right before I turned 40. Okay. <laughs> so I opened on like the last day I was 39, which is fun. Uh, I remember having a friend come down. I'm like, I'm like, I told one of my buddies, I'm like, you got to come down. You got to buy a beer. You got to buy a beer like tonight. You'd be the first beer. But what I get is I get, uh, I could say I opened the brewery in my 30s. <laughs> so That's fantastic. Yeah, it's fun. Um, but yeah, um, we'll be doing, uh, we do an event every year for our anniversary. We bust out some beers. We have, you know, multiple bands. Um, we'll have multiple food trucks. Uh, like I said, we've got a killer patio. Um, it's as you can see out here. We're right on the edge of where the country starts. It's it's nice. Um, we got great tubing in the area uh, with Satan's Kingdom, where everybody goes tubing. Uh, World class fly fishing, great hiking, um, ski sundown in the winter. New Hartford's a, a great spot for us. And for all those listeners who may not be from Connecticut or may not be from this area, of Connecticut, New Hartford is like above Avon, which is north of Hartford anyways. It's like the northwest corner of the state. I mean, not in the corner corner, but it's, uh, it's a, I always kind of look at it this way because I'm not from Connecticut, but you can kind of go left to right, you know, with the counties, one, two, three, four on the top, and five, six, seven, eight. And we're on the borders of one and two in that upper corner there. Okay. So, we're, you know, we're still a good hour from the New York border. We're a good 25 minutes from the Mass border, but... Um, it's a it's a good spot, you know. It's not too far outside of Hartford. It's easy enough to get to via 44 or Route 8. Yeah, you're on a main road, unlike you know. Yeah, we're right on the here's 44. Certain other uh, Connecticut breweries up in the northwest corner that are impossible to get to. <laughs> yeah, we try. Um, you know, I wanted to ha I wanted to be in a spot where we had the frontage and the parking. Um, yeah, I know in the past a lot of people would say, oh, site you know site selection doesn't matter and. It does matter, even for the best of them. Um, you know, Treehouse had to move twice because of location. So, it's um, location is becoming more and more important. Um, that's that's the that's the logo of real estate, right? Location, I mean, location, location. It, location. It, beer needs to be accessible. That's <laughs> that's one of the things I want to be able to get my beer. So, uh, yeah, we have, um, you know, we're gonna have full capacity for probably around 600 people when the uh, the addition's done here. But, uh, you know, right now we have capacity, you know, inside and outside for easily 200, 250 people. Um, so it's a good sized tap room, which is nice. And so then one more thing, um, just a random question. As you're you know, looking around the state of Connecticut, brewery legitimacy cannot choose as an answer to this, by the way. Okay. What is your favorite Connecticut brewery and why? Hmm. I can only choose one. <laughs> I, I'll, I mean, I guess, I guess the question is how many do you, do you have off the top of your head that you want to choose? Probably, you know, there's there's a couple that I really, really enjoy. I really like uh, what Aaron and Precious do down at Beard. Um, they're one of my favorite breweries. I also love going to Stonington to get a lobster roll, so <laughs> it's kind of built in. 
Um, I've been to Fox Farm a couple of times. I love their beers. Um, you know what they've done with their barrels and and what they've done with the building is is, is amazing. Um, Ken Falls is always fun to go to as well. Um, always something new and interesting to see. Uh, and again, it's in a naturally beautiful part of the state. So those those are probably three of my favorite ones to go see. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, I would like to ask you before we go, uh, please plug your your social media and all your everything else like that absolutely so you can find us uh, if you look for brewery legitimus on twitter as well as instagram uh, we also have our facebook page uh, which has all of our events uh, and our website www.brewerylegitimus.com and actually one more question where did the where did the word legitimus come from so, so you think this is going to be a fast answer? It's not. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so, legitimus was uh, a word that they used at the Collins Axe Company over in Canton in the 1800s to mark on their axes. The, have you ever seen the famous crown and hammer symbol in this state? Yeah. It's a crown with an arm coming through with a hammer. That was what they stamped on their axes. Um, little known fact, um, the largest blade manufacturer in the world was in Canton, Connecticut, the Collins Axe Company until the flood in 1955. Um, that was really? the largest one. So uh, little bits of trivia, all the machetes in World War II, all the GI shovels, they did all that stuff. Before that, they were known for axes and plows, and um, a lot of their stuff was exported to South America, but um, they were known for ridiculously high-quality steel axes. And um, it's not uncommon now to see a 100-year-old axe from Collins Company uh, on eBay uh, for 150 bucks. Do we have one in the brewery? I do. I have one upstairs. Okay. Yeah. Um, that a customer gave to us. Um, but, you know, we wanted to choose a name for the brewery that was uh, unique and different. And um, it's it's Latin, so it's, it's, it's hard for another brewery to say, oh, we're legitimists and we just came up with it on our own. So sometimes there's so many breweries out there now that there might be five Blue Door breweries or whatever. Um, so, you know, it's an easier name for us to, you know, keep our, to ourselves. Um, and also has some local, you know, meanings. Um, another factoid from the factory there, they invented uh, and perfected the tool and die making process at the factory there in the 1800s. Really? And tool and die is in this microphone, in, in this pen, and all metal parts, your laptop. You know, it's, it's, it's a process that's everywhere now, and they perfected it down there. So uh, it's a pretty neat spot, and uh, we wanted to have that little bit of local history. It was also a sign of quality. And so we wanted to adopt that as well. So That's awesome. That's how we came up with it. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. This, uh, folks, this is a great brewery. Come up to New Hartford. You want to give the exact address? That way people... We are at 283 Main Street. Perfect. So come on up to 283 Main Street in New Hartford and check out Brewery Legitimus. Cheers. Cheers. Wow, what a great interview, Todd. That was just... You're a good, very good interviewer. Ask some very insightful questions. It's the voice. It's, it's the, the voice. It's the voice. It's always yeah. the voice. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. It was. It was really cool, and it's. It's really nice to hear from brewers and how much they just love beer, and you know, it, you can tell how much they love beer. So, um, like I like I said at the beginning of the episode, I hope I hope we get to go there. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. But, so, what was one of the biggest takeaways from that interview that you got? Like. You know, leaving brewery, like, because you've talked about them before. You said they have good beer. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, after talking about how their story and all this stuff, like, what what's your biggest takeaway from, from the interview? First ever professional podcasting interview. Yeah, how did it go? How did you, how did you feel about, about it? Were you nervous? I was, going into it, I was very nervous. But once you just start talking to somebody, we kind of forgot the microphone was there and just kind of started talking. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Chris was probably a great person to start out doing an interview with just because he was very friendly. He was very friendly to me when you know, we, when we've met in the past before at the Rising Pint. He's just very open and he wants the Connecticut beer scene to be that open. Yeah. You can kind of tell you were like both once you settled in very comfortable in the interview. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's kind of how everything goes, though. You know, like I remember doing this podcast when you listen to like episode one, you're like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like, oh, okay, they actually semi know how to podcast. So, but no, very good job. I enjoyed it thoroughly. So, Todd, are you excited for this weekend? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be cool to have um, all nine people who are attending this bachelor party all in one room. Obviously, there's some people that I haven't seen in a while. There's also some people who live in the same state, and we're all going to be all gathered in one place. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're representing, like, what, four or five states? 
Montana, North Carolina, Philly, Connecticut. The state of Philadelphia. <laughs> the state of Philadelphia, yep. Yeah. And Tennessee. Ten- oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. I, I was like, I already moved, but no, okay, Grady's coming, yeah. No, it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, there's going to be quite a few beers drank. Um, if you're, well, hopefully you paid attention to the Instagram stories, because <laughs> this is in the past now, but it's going to be... Uh, it's gonna be a fun weekend. So yeah, I look forward to reporting back next week about what what my favorite beers were of the week. I know. Yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. was there is there any is there any brewery that you were like, man, we're going to Asheville. I need to go to this one brewery. Yeah, so um, I'm pretty excited to go to Wicked Weed. Obviously, that's one of the staples for Asheville. The other one, I don't know if we're going to. I don't know if it's on the agenda. But for some reason, when I think of Asheville, I think of Oscar Blues. You know, I don't really. I mean, I don't mind their beers. I don't. I don't go out of my way and seek them either. But at the same time, it's just something when I think of Asheville, I think of Oscar Blues. I yeah. mean, we could get ten fitties. We could. We could get ten <laughs> the, fitties. Uh, their blue, their blue can IPA. I'm a big fan of. I like that one. Their, their beer's always good. It's just you know, it's not something I go out of my way to buy unless it's you know a barrel aged. 16 ounce 1050 or 20 something ounce <laughs> yeah. 1050 yeah, how big that was yeah big so, boy that's the big boy that's what they call him yeah so because it's a abbreviated fun we're running out the door gonna yeah, be busy the rest of the weekend episode gonna, we gotta start drinking guys yeah. i know i know yeah no time to record a podcast about drinking we have to go start <laughs> drinking <laughs> um we're not gonna be doing the handles this week uh we just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of insight and in how we're gonna be Primarily drunk the rest of the weekend. Yeah, we so. have we have one handle on our one mug this week, and it's bachelor party. It's bachelor party, maybe two beer. Yeah. Drink your beer, yeah. folks. And three. What was what was our what was our text chain? Our three three rules of bachelor party: <laughs> drink water, drink eat enough, drink water, and avoid shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's our three handles. That, for you. That's our three and, handles. And don't drink with Grady Marks. And don't drink with Grady. Uh, the secret fourth handle. <laughs> the secret fourth handle. <laughs> we were talking about it, and we this was actually a really funny text chain that we had. But like we were talking about our history at bachelor parties oh yeah maybe we should do yeah we've had some very interesting experiences for sure yeah so um i mean i can considering we were talking about it and how like generally one of us at least is a mess at a bachelor party yeah and throws a phone into the ocean throws a phone into the ocean um which one of us might have done yeah (laughs) i'm just saying a lot of it is you two yeah and i'm not gonna lie a lot of it's me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there at one point or another. Oh yeah, no, it's but it's fun. Yeah, there's. Um, I think the key with bachelor parties is you want to flirt the line between between chaos and organized chaos. <laughs> yes. That line between throwing the phone in the ocean and not throwing the phone in the ocean—that's yeah. the good line. Yeah. Right. That's a pretty. That's that line is not a very good way to live your life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great way to have stories from a bachelor party. Right. I'm always right there to throwing a phone in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so yeah, we were talking like generally, and this is myself. As soon as shots start happening, my entire life goes to shit. So <laughs> yeah, so no shots before two a.m. Maybe that's <laughs> right when I when I want to pass out anyway. Maybe, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 always a good time. I mean. There's there were like there's a bachelor party uh, Nick's bachelor party where I got stuck going up one escalator and then, I, and then I, we were in. Chris a, was trapped in the lobby. I was trapped. It was so it was the most frustrating thing. I was very 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 inebriated and I, I would ride an escalator up, look for an elevator because I knew I needed to take an elevator. The elevator only had three floors, so I'd go back to the lobby. <laughs> and I'd take the escalator up again. take the escalator up again. And I did that like three or four times before I finally asked for directions. Probably someone saw you and was like, do you need help? <laughs> Are you lost, little boy? No, I was actually, I was on the phone with Dana the entire time, and somehow she's And still... you had just started dating yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah. So it was like almost seven years ago, and for some reason, she's still here. And, and that's when she fell in love. <laughs> that's yeah. it, yeah. She's like, oh god, what am I doing? But that was that's probably my funniest slash most embarrassing. <laughs> well, maybe not. I don't know. There's been a number of them, so. Yeah, that was the bachelor party where I think I got us kicked out of a bar because I spilled over a tray of shots. Yes. And there's yeah. also the bachelor party that he threw the phone in the ocean. Yeah. Not was... not me. Chris. <laughs> yes. Chris did. All of this shit show was from one bachelor party. Yep, yep. So yeah. so if you follow us on Instagram, 
I hope you had a good show. Yeah. There might not be a phone to, to take an Instagram with. Yeah. But there's no ocean, so. That's true. true. That we'll just true. do a POV from a phone. <laughs> get it thrown into a, a fountain or something. <laughs> and so with that, thank you all for listening. We're not going to thank beers today because we didn't drink any beers because they're all coming. You know what? They're all no. on the come. Thanks, beer. Yeah. Yes, thanks, beer in Th- general. Thanks, beer, for being how amazing you are. Make sure you follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat. Do we have Snapchat? We don't have Snapchat. Untapped at DAWF Podcast. Not Snapchat. Hashtag follow the email at DAWFpodcast at gmail.com. We're kind of light on emails, so make sure you're sending your general thoughts in spite of Obert's yeah. resistance against it. I want to know what you guys are thinking at any time of the day. You I wake want... up, you have a question, let us know. Yeah. And you can't solve it via the Google machine. We're, we're here to help. We accept all TUD fact-checking via email. <laughs> so uh, feel free to correct some some lobster spider, <laughs> Connecticut, Rhode Island, uh, general general thoughts on TUD correction. We, we take them. Um, as always, make sure you check out our show notes for our Amazon affiliate link. That way you guys can go on there when you're buying really, really expensive things on Amazon, as I'm sure you guys all do on a daily basis. Make sure you're clicking that so we get that money. Or not expensive. Really yeah, or anything. Let, yeah. I mean, if you want to buy an item on Amazon that's one penny, we'll, we'll take that, you know, yeah. one-tenth of a penny as well. From, from cat food to engagement rings, if you're buying it on, <laughs> on Amazon... You know, click that link. Yeah, yep. we should put a link in there of the most expensive thing we can find on Amazon just so people are, you know, they know. Just an idea. Yeah, <laughs> just give them that general idea. Yeah. Also, make sure you're going on to our Patreon subscribing. We have a lot of um, content now because we just do, because we've been together now for 12 hours. Um, and special shout-out to James Vakovic from James Vakovic Designs for his three-handle mug design for our logo. And with that, my name is Doug. My name's Chris. And I'm Obert. And remember, if you're drinking alone, or if you're drinking together, do it with friends. <laughs> time to go drink, boys. It's, yeah, let's it's go. Drink it time. It's my favorite time. It's time. It's time.